right, Hebrews chapter 11. How many times I'm going to say that again? Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. By the way, I got a request. Uh, when I die, give me five minutes the next Sunday night, okay? I couldn't. That was too short, Brother Blaine. I'm, that's my fault. I told you three, and I should have made it at least 13. But uh, that was good. And you can uh, go to WhitfieldBaptist.com, and you can look in the archives message, 2019, August. Listen to the whole 45 minutes. Amen. But what a preacher. Brother Jason was bringing this out. Brother Billy used a lot of scripture, and uh, that's, that's a blessing. And I respect any preacher that will use a lot of scripture, amen, because that's what we're doing. We're preaching the Bible. And so um, just give me five minutes when I pass off the scene and, uh, and uh, play one five minutes, amen. And y'all can all uh, start with the closing. That will be good, amen, in closing. That's what I won't preach at my funeral, in closing. Well, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 35, and we're going to do the other side of the story. I want to preach a message entitled, Brother Cody, he's always asking my message title, uh, Tough Faith for Troubled Times. Tough Faith for Troubled Times. And I don't believe we're really going to get tough, but we need to get more determined and more faithful in tough times. Amen? If there's ever a time we need the church to stay together and to pray together and uh, to hang together, it's now. As I saw that church out there in California with those, uh, um, uh, and they're losing $480,000 on the school and all kinds of things going on because the government wants to be too tight and too restrictive on things. And then on other things like the beaches, they open them wide open. So it's all inconsistency. And it's, it's, a, it's a warfare of the spirit. It's not just the flesh, amen. It's not the health department. It's the devil. And so uh, Hebrews chapter 11, let's stand on the Word of God. We will stand on the Word of God. Verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured. That's where I want to start tonight. Uh, not accept accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And here's the title or subtitle of Tough Faith for Troubled Times, and others, and others. And others had trials of cruel mocking and scourging, uh, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. Think about it now. This is not a fairy tale. This really happened to some good people, some godly people, some people that knew where their anchor hold. And it goes on to say um, they were stoned. Uh, they were sawed asunder. They were tempted and were slain with a sword. Uh, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Now, don't this make you feel rather wimpy when you hear about Christians going through stuff like this? Of whom the world was not worthy. Now listen. Um, they wandered in the desert and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, Receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, uh, it's a continuing thought, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, sin of unbelief, which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. How many need more patience? Amen. I, I tell you, I do. The race that is set before him, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for that great song and the good song service, even though it was short. And thank you, dear God, for the brief moment that we could live back with Brother Goosby when he preached at our church. What an honor it was to have him each time he came. And Lord, preach the Word of God. And Lord, I thank you for his life, and I pray that you bless his church. I know they're devastated. Bless his dear wife and sons, and God help them. Lord, help us, Lord, to stay faithful until you call us home. And God, help us to have good faith, pure faith, enduring faith for these troubling times. God, we thank you, dear Lord, for the standard that you gave us in Hebrews chapter 11. We need to be faithful no matter what. Nevertheless, we keep on going no matter what. And so, Lord, give us that kind of faithfulness, that kind of faith. We're going to praise you and thank you for helping us as we preach once again tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible changes tunes here and says some others. Some others had a hard life. They had a terrible uh, persecution. And I hope this series on faith has engendered some faith in your life. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to have enduring faith. We need to have faith when it's not easy to have faith. We need to have faith, uh, tough faith, in troubled times. And the Word of God has the answer. Amen? It's not some pro athlete that has the answer for all our injustices. Matter of fact, friend, just because they can play a little ball game don't mean anything. I'll tell you what they need to do. They need to go to Afghanistan or Vietnam or um, uh, go over to Germany and fight uh, the snipers and fight head on head and see the men of God, the men that fell during those wars and stand up during our national anthem. Amen? I mean, and salute the flag proudly. Don't stay in the locker room. Don't cow down. I mean, stand proudly for America because some people have. A real man fought for our country. And a real man faced snipers in Vietnam. I miss Vietnam by three numbers. And I want to tell you something, friend. I appreciate them and the price they paid for us to have a national anthem. And thank God, folks, I'm just saying all that to say this. Um, God has the answer for his injustice. God has the answer for the problems and trials of this day. The Word has the answer, amen? And the man of God has the answer. That's why we ought to flock to the place to pre that preaches the Word of God and, and not apologize for being in the house of God, amen? Thank God for, we have the freedom in Georgia to do it. I thank God for our governor. You pray for him. And so mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God, verses 32 through 34. True faith and mature faith bows, though, to the sovereignty purpose of God, the sovereign purpose of God. And then number three, mature faith is based on the settled promises of God. And so it's not always getting your way. It's God's way. It's not wrestling God saying, hey, Lord, I want to change your mind. It's getting a hold of God's mind, and he'll never change, and we just need to get in on it. So I'm, I'm sure you prayed for someone to get well, as I have recently, and they got worse. They even died. I'm sure that you tried to believe for a miracle, and it didn't happen, and you wanted to throw in the towel. 
I'm sure you need more patience. I know I do. I got news this afternoon. I said, I told my wife, I said, "Hun, I need more patience. I'm, I'm losing patience. And so sometimes I get impatient. How about you? There's some amazing victories through verses 1 through 35. We preached on them for months and named the names, amen? But now we come to a, to a phrase in verse 36, and others, and others. And folks, I want you to know, first of all, that mature faith believes the supernatural power of God. And David, Moses, Daniel, Peter, all these great men of God. But I want to tell you this, and this is the main crux of the message tonight, is that mature faith bows to the sovereign purpose of God. Uh, sometimes God has some ways that's beyond our ways. They're always above our ways. We don't know why he don't answer right now. But see, God's working. He might be working on you. He might be working on the answer. And it might just not be God's will. We should not try to change God's will because you you, you'll be out of the God's will. But he has a sovereign purpose for your life. And sometimes, and these verses tell us, Exciting stories in verse 32 through 35, but it's not so exciting in verse uh, 35 through verse 38. I mean, they went through some terrible times, sawed asunder, and tradition says that was uh, Isaiah. Well, they wandered about in skins, and the early Christians were sometimes dressed in animal skins and thrown out in the woods for dogs to chase them like animals. Uh, you go to the Circus Maximus, which is the great Roman Colosseum, and the bloodthirsty crowd would shout, bring on the Christians, bring on the Christians. And folks, I'm sure those great Christians, those great men of God, those great ladies of God, and maybe even children, as they're going out into that stadium to be fed to lions, they were probably saying, I'm glad I didn't listen to Oral Roberts that something good is going to happen to you today. Because folks, it wasn't good what's going to happen to them but the end was good, and the reason was good, and the purpose was good. So God spared Peter and, and uh, allowed James to be martyred. And so, folks, listen, God has a plan, um, but we're more than conquerors. And he always loves us, amen? Thank God for that. And I want to I dwell with this, that uh, even John the Baptist had doubts. In Matthew chapter 11, he's described... On down in the chapter is the greatest man born of woman. But then we see in verse 4 through 6, he says, Are you really the Christ? I'm in jail. I stood for you, Lord. I, I rebuked the, uh, Herod and all his adulterous uh, wickedness. And, and um, uh, I'm here in jail. And he began to recite what God was doing and, 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 and reassured him. I tell you what, there's been crusades in this area <clears throat> that preaches a false doctrine that if you ever doubt your salvation, you're not saved. Well, John the Baptist doubted. But we need to have an if-not clause in our, in our faith. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, hey, listen, if he delivers me, fine, but if not, I still will not bow. Amen? So I want you to see, I want you to see first of all, and, and my outline on the wall is not as uh, close to my sermon, so just pick out something and put it up there. But uh, I want you to see, first of all, the costliness of faith. The costliness of faith. Uh, enduring faith will cost you something. And I want to tell you something, friend. Nobody will notice your life until you go through trials. They just won't. 
They expect you to be shouting and praising God and faithful in church while everything is hunky-dory. But when your life falls apart, they want to see your faithfulness. And it'll cost you something. I want you to see what it costs cost these Christians. Look at verse 35. It says, women receive their dead, raised to life again, and others, there's that phrase again, and others were tortured. <clears throat> the word tortured in Greek is where we get the word wheel or drum or rack. And literally what this was saying is they'd, they'd hook them to a wheel and, or to a rack and literally stretch every bone out of joint. Ouch. You ever had a shoulder get out of socket? Come on, say amen, Jason. He woke up that way this morning. <clears throat> we were digging ditches yesterday trying to, trying to fix uh, some plumbing, so that might have something to do with it. Or I was watching him dig a ditch. But, uh, <clears throat> but I want to say this, folks. There's a, there's a, there's a torture. They were tortured. Um, uh, they were stretched to their arms and legs, pulled out of joint. For what reason? Because they stood for Christ and would not recant. God, help us in these last days to have some standing faith, some enduring faith. Enduring faith will cost you, number two, it'll cost you not only scourging, but it'll cost you sentencing. The Bible says that they were sentenced and um, uh, they were tortured uh, not accepting deliverance. That means they were brought to trial. I've been to trial with many people in my day, and uh, sometimes the judge will just see me coming and we'll have a conversation. I used to do that all the time uh, up in juvenile court. Uh, the, the judge liked, liked me standing with these guys, but some of them was, it was embarrassing because I found out some things when I got to court that I didn't even know was happening, and they blindsided me. But I want to tell you something, friend. They were bonds and imprisonment. How would you like to be away from your family for months and months and months? I think about all these people with COVID in these, in these hospitals and can't even be with their family. I think about Miss Opal. She can't even be with her family after falling Saturday morning and breaking her hip. And folks, uh, listen, but they were without their family for years sometimes and months and the rest of their life. And so they were sentenced to jail, years of isolation, years of of abuse in jails, in prisons. And then the Bible says, um, and they, it says, and they would not accept deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mockings. There's the cruel mockings. And so folks, listen, um, they were, they were, there was the torture in the cost, but there was also the tongue in the cost. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be ridiculed. But I want to tell you something. These Christians lived in ridicule. They lived in cruel mockings. And some of that was enough to, for some to recant. And so, folks, listen, we need to, to realize that um, they were sawed asunder, verse 37. Uh, literally, they'd be put in a hollow tree, and they'd have a big old saw with two men and cut through the body slowly. And blood would be uh, dripping out of that old hollow log. They were slain with the sword. Uh, verse 37, but then they were, they were mocked and then they were tempted. What way were they tempted? Verse 35, the Bible says, not accepting deliverance. Not accepting deliverance. Look at verse uh, 37. It says they were stoned, they were sawed asunder, they were tempted. They were tempted. They were tempted to recant. And you would be too. They were tempted to say, 
no, I don't, I don't believe I am a believer. That hurts too much. This loneliness, this mocking, this cruelty, this salt asunder stones, scourged. A terrible way to die. Clunks of your flesh would be taken out of your body through the cat of nine tails as our Lord suffered. Why? Why would anybody go through that? But they refused. They were, they were, they were, the temptation was to be released, deliverance. And then their, uh, their refusal is such a blessing. They did not accept deliverance. Look at verse 35. It says, not accepting deliverance, they might attain a better resurrection. I know this might be boring to some of you, but I want to tell you something, that really happened. This is not some Hollywood movie. This is not just a, mo a book called Tortured for His Faith. This is, this is reality, that these Christians were sawed asunder, slain with a sword, stoned, sentenced, scourged, and they were tempted to, to recant, but they would not accept deliverance. They could have went home any minute and lived a normal life, but they said, I will stand by faith for God. And then not only was you see the tongue in the cost and the temptation in the cost, but we see the traveling in the cost. Uh, they were forced to flee. Look at verse 37. It says they were stoned, they were sawed asunder, they were tempted, sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Now, sometimes when I get discontent, I'm going to tell you what I do. This is crazy, but I do it anyway. I'll drive to the nearest expressway, and see some guy holding a sign that has no home that says, I'll work for food. They really won't, but, you know, they say they will. If I ever get in that shape, I'm going to get a sign up and say, I'll preach for food. <laughs> no, not really. But it, it's sad when you don't have a home. And I'll tell you what, it'd be sad when you don't have another change of clothes. It'd be sad to be homeless. And no matter how bad you got it, you got a home to go to. Say Amen. And that, I don't mean that cheers me up that somebody else does it, but thank God when I compare myself to a lot of people, I am blessed. And so are you. I might not live in a mansion or a tri-level or have a swimming pool in the backyard, but praise God I got a roof over my head. And I got a pretty good, I got a pretty comfortable lazy boy too. Amen. That thing it reclines and it's push button and man, it's nice. Thank you. Good Christmas gift, I think. I don't know where I got it. I'm sure I did get it some way besides steal it. But the traveling, uh, they were homeless. They were forced to flee, and they uh, wore the rags. I mean, just rags of sheepskins and goatskins. Only change of clothes they had, or no change of clothes. They were literally fugitives in mountains, deserts, caves, hideouts, homeless. And folks, you'd think, well, that is a, a, such a sorry Christian. But the Lord had something to say else about it. He said, whom the world was not worthy, verse 38. Whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. They had no place to live, but the world was not worthy of them. And folks, I want you to know there's a compensation of faith. Next slide, brother. You're right on it. Compensation of faith. I couldn't even follow it. And he's following it. And folks, I want to tell you something. First of all, it was the praise and that compensation. Look at verse 39. 
and these all having attained a good report through faith, received not the promise. What kind of good report is a good report from God? Amen? We all live for the good report of man. I want to tell you something, folks. The highest praise you'll ever get is from God. Praise from God is the highest praise you could ever receive. And I'm looking forward to it one day of hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. And so every day in the judgment seat of Christ coming up after the rapture, it, 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 it looms in my heart that I want one thing, I want to be called faithful. And I've tried over these years to be faithful as a pastor, but I want to be faithful as a Christian. I want to be faithful as a husband. I want to be faithful as a daddy. And I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, the praise from God is the highest praise anyone can ever receive. Well done. And to have a crown given to you at the judgment seat of Christ and take that crown off and cast it at his feet and say, Lord, I did it all for you. Now, I want to say this, and others. And others. Oh, folks, listen, you need, you need to let that settle in your heart that others have gone through terrible, terrible persecution that we can meet tonight. That we can have this blessed King James Bible. Say amen. That we can have the privilege of singing and praising God tonight in this local church. Somebody was persecuted. Some, and there's persecution going over in California, and I feel so... Uh, so impelled to, to challenge you to pray fervently for Brother Treber in the, in, the, in, the, in the church over there. But folks, this kind of cruelty and this kind of scourging and this kind of uh, wandering in deserts was self-chosen. God, I mean sovereignly chosen, but self-accepted. said, I'll take anything for Christ's sake. Would you? So mature faith is not only seeing the great promises of God and the great power of God move in your life and seeing all these miracles that we, we, uh, we've uh, versed in verses 1 through 35, but it's also accepting the sovereign purpose of God. And sometimes the sovereign purpose of God is not for you to be delivered and not for you to be comfortable, but to be faithful in spite of all that's going on. So this is the time to shine and this is the time to surrender, and this is the time to sacrifice what we want and surrender what God wants. And Job said it like this, though he slay me, I'll still trust him. Amen. He praised God in Job 23. He said, he knows my way and the way that I take. He knows my way. He knows where I'm at. And one day I'm going to come out as gold, say amen. And it takes heat to have good gold, say amen. Folks, on and on and on through the Word of God, uh, the Bible admonishes these Christians in these New Testament days to be faithful no matter what. And folks, and others did not have all the miracles. And others were not delivered. Why? Well, look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 uh, through 12. Matthew 11, uh, 5, please. And you know that it's the, it's, the, it's the greatest sermon ever preached on this earth by the greatest preacher that ever preached on this earth. It's the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. And I want to tell you how he, he uh, finished all these blessings. Blessed are they that mourn, blessed are they that meet, and uh, that thirst after righteousness, and on and on. But look at verse 
11, please. He said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake, for my sake. And what should be our attitude? What should be our attitude? And we're so fair weather, and we're so fickle sometimes. When it don't go our way, we recant and quit church and get mad at the preacher. Don't blame me. We get mad at the church. We get mad at God. We don't come back because somebody hurt our little feelings. Well, look at this, verse 11. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven were so persecuted they, the prophets that were before you. Say amen right there. The prophets were persecuted, killed, but they still stood and preached, and they preached a lot of messages like judgment is coming, whether you like it or not. And so mature faith is based on the promises of God. And folks, there is a compensation of faith. Thank the Lord, this enduring faith uh, there's praise from God. There's admonition from God. Thank the Lord there is a time where you're going to um, uh, uh, be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. See, I think we're just too now oriented, especially in America. Some people got all the heaven they can stand now so they can care less about heaven later. And folks, now that the Lord's knocked the breath out of us and showed us how much we don't have and how much we're uh, not in control, and that we don't have all the answers, heaven's looking pretty sweet. And folks, we need to live for eternity, not for the immediacy of satisfaction. Last but not least, I want you to see this. I want you to see if you'll change it, brother, that um, uh, there's a mature faith uh, that endures, but also enjoys all the blessings of God. And folks, enjoys the testimony the testimony that God is God. Your proof positive evidence. You have a good report. There's the testimony of faith, thirdly. Verse 38. It's such wonderful verses to end this chapter of all that God's done through these people. He says, And of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of earth. And, all, and it says, and those, these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promises, God having provided some better things for us. Better things. Folks, they were living in the shadows and we're living in substance. They were looking forward to Calvary. We look back to Calvary. And folks, if these people can die for the faith before Calvary, and if these people can die for the faith all through the Old Testament looking towards the first coming, how much more should we be living for God, sacrificing and surrendering all that we have and surrendering to God's will no matter what it is and being tough and being faithful and endure and be mature in our faith and not bow down to the world but bow down to the sovereignty of God. Maybe God won't deliver you. Maybe God won't answer your prayer. Are you going to get mad at him? Are you going to get sad at him? Are you going to lose your joy? And folks, I want you to realize this, is that, is that it's a good report is well done, thy good and faithful servant. But also I want you to know, friend, that um, 
The world cannot understand the servants of God. They hate them so much that they want to persecute them and beat them and put them in prison. But God says, hey, they're my choice servants and others and others. Um, we never know uh, what God's going to allow us to go through in these last days. We need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. Um, oh, the Apostle Paul is a good example. Um, man's estimate of a hero is somebody that can run a ball across a goal line or somebody that makes a lot of money or somebody that's famous and can act out another part and not even be their self but be you know, a movie star. And they have these estimation of what men are, but I want to tell you something. Uh, man's estimate of these Christians were so low they killed them and they beat them and they abused them and they locked them up and they starved them and they stretched them asunder. It was said in the Bible days that sometimes they would take Christians and sew them up in burlap bags with venomous snakes and listen to them scream as they agonized with a snake bite or snake bite in these bags. They'd put them in a bag and stake them to a low tide and watch the uh, high tide come in and they would drown slowly. They'd make them torches in their, uh, uh, their gardens and tar, put tar on them and light, light their bodies up and see them scream with horror and, and persecution and pain to light their party up. That's how wicked men were in those days, and they're still that way. And so, folks, God's estimate of them is so precious. God's man, uh, men's estimate of them was despite and ridicule. You take the, the, the Apostle Paul in closing. Um, he, he, God's estimate of him was, was completely different than the world's estimate. Festus said of Paul in Acts chapter 26, I want you to look at this, Acts chapter 26, verse 24. This is what Festus said about the Apostle Paul. I believe he was one of the greatest Christians that ever walked this earth. Say amen. He wrote most of the New Testament, or the Holy Spirit did, I know, but... Praise God, God used him in a mighty way. But Acts chapter 26, and I want you to look at um, verse 24. Acts 26, verse 24. The Bible says this, For the king knoweth of these things of whom I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For the king was done, king was done in, 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 uh, in, 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 in the corner. And so King Agrippa uh, began to persecute Paul. And he said, in essence, uh, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. Uh, you, you're, you're, you're beside yourself is the exact words that King uh, Agrippa used. And then uh, Paul was not fit to live in Acts chapter 22, verse 22. Look at this, Acts 22, 22. The Bible says, and they gave audience unto the word and then lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fella from the earth. Didn't even say his name, such a fella. For it is not fit that he should live. And so first of all, Agrippa calls him crazy. And then uh, and second of all, uh, the Jews called him not fit to live and not fit to kill. Just persecute him, make him a martyr. And then in Paul's own words, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 4.13. 1 
1 Corinthians 4.13. Real quick. 1 Corinthians 4.13. And others. The Bible says this. Being defamed, we entreat. We're made as the filth of the world. He describes himself in their eyes as the filth of the world. God's choicest servant. It goes on to say this. And an off-scourging of all things unto this day. We're just off-scourged. We're just, uh, we're just uh, um, filled to the world. But the Lord had a different opinion of the Apostle Paul. And God used the Apostle Paul in a very special way. And God chose this vessel as one of the greatest vessels on this earth. Folks, faith enables us to turn from the approval of this world to the approval of God. I want to close with this. What in the world are you living for? Who do you live for? Who is worthy to live for? Who is worthy to die for? And who would be worthy to be persecuted for except the one who gave himself for you and died for you? That's why it's by the mercies of God you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. If God, get this now and I'll close. If God was glorified by delivering you every time he'd deliver you. But sometimes God is more glorified through not delivering you. Speaking of the Apostle Paul, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Every time I get a little wimpy and I get a little whiny and I get a little complaining, and I don't do that often, uh, maybe once a week, but I want to say this, um, I, I go to this chapter and I read these verses and I tell you what, it helps me so much. And it's first, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and I'm in 1 Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and I want you to see it. The Bible says that I speak as concerning verse 21, chapter 11, as though we had been weak Howbeit, there and so ever, any is bold. I speak foolishly, I am bold also. But he said this, and, 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 I'm a he and they are Hebrews, and so am I. And they, uh, are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. And look at this, verse 23. It says, and are the ministers of Christ. God's called you to be a minister of Christ. But if you think it's going to be easy all the time, you're going to have a thought coming. It says, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundantly in stripes, more measured in prisons, more frequently in death often. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Our Lord was only scourged once. Paul's scourged five times. Look at this. Twice, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Twice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Look at this, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of heathen, in perils of cities, in perils of wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false witnesses, in weariness, in painfulness, in watching often, in hungers, thirst, fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily with the care of all the churches. And Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians will tell you he had a, uh, one church that drove him crazy. And it says, who, who is weak? 
I am not weak. Um, who is offended? I burn not. But I need glory. I need glory. I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. He says, I'll, I'll take glory in God for everything I've gone through. Every day in prison, every broken bone, every chunk of flesh that was, was ripped out of my body through a scourge. I'll glory in God. I'll do it for his glory. Now listen to this. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Artus, the king, kept the city of Damascus with the, with the garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped the hands. It's not speedy for me to doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of God. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, but God knoweth such as one caught up to the third heaven. He's talking about himself. And listen to this. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth how that he was caught up into the paradise. I heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. And such as one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but I, of mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I, sh I shall not be a fool. So I'm just not going to demand God to deliver me. I'm not going to demand God to, to, to cure me every time or, or defend me or keep me from being beaten or hurt in prison. And he said this, of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but of mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I shall say the truth. And now for, for bear lest any man should think of, him, of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that heareth me. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He said, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. Heal me, heal me, heal me. And the Bible says this, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, and most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. When are we going to start living for Christ's sake? But when I am weak, then I am strong. I become a fool in glorying. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the chiefest apostle, though I be nothing. Truly the signs of the apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So I want to remind you I'm an apostle. But I want to remind you that I have been put through the ringer. And I've asked God to deliver me when he put a thorn in my flesh. But God said, no, no, no. And the Bible says that Christ said, I glory, that, I, that my grace is sufficient, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul changed his prayer and said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I take pleasure let me close by saying this, and others, and others. Folks, and we have a great, great challenge tonight.
I'll preach on it next Sunday as we get into Hebrews chapter 12. We need to see the witnesses in heaven. These witnesses. These that gave their lives. These that wandered this world and was uh, hunted down like animals. These that were, that were uh, uh, torched to death, scourged, crucified, imprisoned, lonely, rejected, suffered all kinds of shame and disgrace. There are witnesses. And those witnesses are saying, run. Those witnesses are saying, be faithful. Those witnesses are saying, hey, don't give up. Don't, don't give up. And don't let, don't let anything stop you. And thank God, friend, I'm going to tell you something. That challenges my heart and others. Others were not delivered. But God gave them grace. A greater miracle to endure by faith. To be faithful by faith. Father, use this message. Lord, I know that a lot of people don't want to hear a message like this. They want to hear the first part of Hebrews 11. They want to hear about persecution. They want to hear about tough times. But dear God, help it motivate us to be as Apostle Paul and say, Lord, I accept your will. And I accept unanswered prayer. And I accept the things I want, want that, I don't, that I'm not getting. God, I accept your will. And Lord, if you want me to be persecuted, if you want me to uh, be rejected, if you want me to uh, be in a time and age where they outlaw us from going to church, I'll still be faithful. And Lord, though you slay me, Lord, let's, I pray that we'd pray with Job, I shall come forth as gold. And Lord, I pray that you'd bring the gold out of our life that you would help us to have exceeding joy when we're persecuted for your name's sake, when we're rejected for your name's sake, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, when we pray a prayer and, God, you seem not to answer it because it's not your will for that answer to come that we want so much. And so, Lord, help us to submit gladly to your sovereign power. God, your sovereign purpose God, your sovereign plan for our life. Lord, thank you for the easy times that we've had in America all these years. And Lord, we know it's because somebody paid the price. Well, not only to shed blood on the war front, but God, to shed blood on the spiritual front for us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, How many say, preacher, tonight, I look at these examples. I look at these witnesses that are looking at my life right now. And I just want to pray that God would help me to be faithful when it's not easy. Tough faith for troubled times. That's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? Amen. Be faithful when it's not easy. Be faithful when your best friend lets you down. Be faithful when your heart is broken because of the sins of others. And be faithful. Be faithful not to take for granted the freedoms and the privilege we have to be here tonight. Father, use this message. 
God, thank you for your word. Thank your words loud and clear. There's some and others had a terrible time when they lived on this earth. They were persecuted and murdered and imprisoned and abused and shamed and disgraced. And so were you for our sin. So Lord, may we gladly be bold in our faith with compassion towards the lost. Lord, if we get our little feelings hurt, that's okay. If we get rejected, that's all right. Lord, we're not, more, we're not important enough to be rejected. It's you they're rejecting. It's you that they're abusing. It's you that they're persecuting. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you, dear God, for the privilege of following in these great men and ladies of God, these others. Didn't even make their name on the Hall of Fame of Faith. One day we'll meet them in heaven. We'll, we'll thank them for their faithfulness give their lives we can have this blessed book this blessed privilege of worshiping tonight and this blessed privilege of going out in this world and proclaiming that you are alive and that you're worth dying for and you're worth living for in Jesus name we pray